Welcome to the Vulva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Mark Stebin, who is a family doctor and sexual health expert in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. He's going to talk to us about recurrent and persistent vaginitis. Hi, Dr. Stebin. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us how common recurrent vaginitis is? Vaginitis is like a wastebasket of diagnosis. Uh, so uh, if genital area itches, it is vaginitis. Discharge with clumps is vaginitis. Uh, people buy a pH kit at the pharmacy and it's under 4.5. It's a vaginitis. Uh, so uh, we have to be very careful. When we talk about yeast vaginitis, uh, we believe that most women will have had at least once uh, in their lifetime. But the prevalence uh, is really unknown. But what is important to know that all these women uh, usually uh, will make uh, several visits uh, to the doctor before they get that diagnosis of uh, recurrent vaginitis. Uh, and in fact, when women come to clinic and they're telling us that they have recurrent vaginitis, yeast vaginitis. Uh, it's quite surprising to see that only one of, out of five will truly have recurrent yeast vaginitis. So four out of five will have a lot of other disease. It can be an infection. It can be a dermatosis. It can be a contact dermatitis. So uh, there's a lot of things. So we have to make the detective work to really find what is causing the recurrence of the symptoms and the signs of that woman. So we know that the definition of recurrent yeast is four infections in a year. Is there a definition for recurrent vaginitis? Yes, we, uh, so there are different definitions, but the one that is the most commonly used that would be the more sensitive and uh, specific would be having had four bouts of a disease. At least once will have been confirmed with the laboratory tests and uh, optimally it would have been a culture. And so when a patient comes to your clinic, what are the common questions you ask them? I think it's good to have an history of uh, the signs, the symptoms, how it affects sexuality, is the partner affected, uh, the use of antibiotic, the use of uh, cleaning rituals or creams or douche, uh, and I have an history of uh, what helped and what did not help uh, in the past. And certainly, we would ask some questions also about uh, being sexually active. Uh, we kind of have an opportunity here to do STD screening if a woman uh, was not screened and they have risk factors. So certainly, if uh, there's redness and there's discharge, uh, uh, I would do a culture. Uh, uh, with the culture, we would be able to check for uh, trichomonas. BV, not only BV, but also uh, what is called intermediary flora, like a kind of, uh, of a subclinical uh, BV. We would be able to see if there's uh, yeast, uh, budding yeast, hyphae. We would be able to make an identification of the yeast in question in uh, the recurrent cases that are resistant to usual uh, medication. So uh, culture certainly would be uh, the minimal 
I would be expecting for a woman that comes to the office with uh, recurrent vaginitis. But also we can see with the diagnosis, is there an ulcerated lesion uh, that could be herpes? And I would do a NAT testing for uh, herpes. Uh, and if I have some doubts for dermatoses such as lichen planus or lichen sclerosis or lichen simplex or psoriasis, then I would do a skin biopsy. Also, we would look to see if there are lesions that could be pre-cancer or a cancer. And of course, uh, we can do a biopsy or uh, refer to an experienced person uh, to deal with uh, these patients. So uh, I think the most important thing that is missing when women are referred to my practice is a diagnosis. And we look sometimes no test has been done. And they were treated with all kinds of treatment which may suit temporarily the symptoms but are not going after the cause by itself. So what advice would you give other family doctors and gynecologists when these patients come to clinic as a first things to think about? I think outside of the exam, uh, the tests, uh, the question also I think is very important is to see if this is a recurrent or a persistent problem, so usually recurrent cases would have a period of remission between bouts. So this would be quite characteristic of women with yeast infection. They take an oral or a typical preparation, and they do get better for a few weeks, a few months, then it comes back. So that would be recurrent vaginitis. And then we have those women that will take all kinds of treatment they tell you it helped, but it was still there at a lower level, but still was present. In that case, we have to be careful because uh, most likely there will be uh, dermatoses uh, under that uh, or precancer or cancer. Usually BV or yeast uh, will be episodical. You give a treatment, it disappears completely. So unless they're there and there's a second disease uh, that is coming uh, with the first disease, and I would think mostly of women that have recurrent yeast vaginitis for a long period. A lot of them develop some kind of lichenoid reaction, like eczema-type reaction, or some of them will develop vulvodynia. So we find the yeast by the culture, we give the treatment, we see that there's soothing of the symptoms, but there's still symptoms remaining, like burning or chronic itching. So we have to consider dual or even triple condition when women come with a recurrent vaginitis and they're not well with the treatment we're giving them. Would you say it's common then that many people have more than one condition when things seem to be chronic? I think that might be the problem with our lens. So usually when we do referral cases, of course, we get the worst of uh, the patient. I would see uh, in patients that have been seeing many doctors. So I think the most doctors they've seen, the more likely there will be a mixed condition. And uh, of course, if you you always think a single diagnosis and you don't pursue what's underlying to explain the symptoms, uh, of course, you'll miss uh, the comorbid condition that comes uh, in those uh, women. So you talked about a, a bunch of different things that can cause persistent symptoms, infections, dermatoses, sometimes even cancer. And these are all obviously treated differently. But do you have any general advice on how anything common and how you treat all of these patients that come to clinic? 
Uh, I think the two most common things that we can help, and they're frequent, would be recurrent yeast vaginitis. So uh, uh, we know that weekly suppressive therapy would be of uh, benefit for a lot of women that have had four or more episodes with one proven culture to be positive. Uh, we can give these women the 150 milligram prophylaxis uh, for six months, then stop and see what happens. And uh, if uh, women got good result with fluconazole uh, prophylaxis, uh, but they relapse soon after they stop, uh, then we can discuss with them the benefit of having uh, long-term uh, suppressive therapy. And uh, I have still some patients that did the trials uh, with me when the fluconazole was a investigational drug, and uh, they can't stop because it come back and interfere with their quality of life or their sexual harmony with their partners. So sometimes women will need more than uh, six months uh, prophylaxis. Some may need uh, long-term, even if they're healthy and they don't have HIV and they don't take uh, antibiotic and they're not diabetic. Uh, if you have a woman that you do a vaginal culture and it's positive and you do a fluconazole prophylaxis and you don't get good results, I already talked about the possibility of having a second or a third comorbid uh, entity at the same time. But also, we see more and more women that are harboring candida albicans that became resistant to fluconazole. So uh, when I have a woman that has been proven to have a yeast infection and she's not doing well on prophylaxis, I would do a culture even if she's on prophylaxis. And if the yeast grows again, we send for more complete workup on the yeast and we would do yeast identification. And when it's candida albicans, we will do an antifungiogram and see the uh, resistance potential to uh, fluconazole. Uh, we would not test non-albicans strains of yeast because we know that they all are at least partially resistant to fluconazole. So I think that is for yeast, you know, the current standard of care that is recommended. The other group that is uh, frequently uh, coming to the clinic would be women with BV. So we know that bacterial vaginosis uh, is not per se a sexually transmitted disease, but uh, having a new sexual partner might induce a change in the vaginal microbiome. And some of these women lose the control on the growth of anaerobes and other bacteria in their vagina. And some of these women may get good results by uh, weekly suppressive therapy with even oral metronidazole, 750 milligram per week, or they can use uh, the metronidazole gel uh, once a week in their vagina. Some may well respond to uh, acidifying uh, treatment in the vagina. We know that there's Vitamin C tablet for the vagina on a weekly basis may help control BV. There are also uh, lactic acid preparation that can help. And for women who have dual infections, some of these women will have yeast and BV at the same time. They would benefit uh, if they need prophylaxis to be on uh, boric acid, 600 milligram in uh, gelatin capsule that they use three times uh, a week uh, for six months and be uh, reassessed. So that would be maybe the two most frequent conditions that we would uh, suggest prophylaxis uh, for uh, women.
When you have them on long-term fluconazole or metronidazole more than six months, do you do any lab blood monitoring for liver function or do you think it's safe to not monitor? Yeah, we know from uh, European uh, surveillance uh, of drugs, uh, Inman published in prescription event monitoring uh, in UK, uh, and they had uh, more than 6,000 patients that have taken a single dose of fluconazole. Uh, there was no liver toxicity. We see liver toxicity with fluconazole in women that needs to take it on a high level. I have patients with HIV, and they have uh, cryptococcal meningitis, uh, prophylaxis, they will take like 450 milligram daily for the rest of their life. And of course, a lot of these women will have increased level of uh, liver and enzyme. But we know that uh, there is no significant interference uh, with other drugs. Uh, very rarely even we would change the drug of Coumadin for patients who are uh, anticoagulated uh, for prevention of uh, recurrent phlebitis or uh, pulmonary embolism. Uh, so uh, we know 150 milligram uh, is safe, is uh, also not giving significant interference with uh, other drug. Uh, there might be a minor consideration for the risk of spontaneous uh, abortion. When you look at some database, there is a signal there that there might be an increase. Uh, it's difficult to know if it's due to the drug by itself or the yeast infection at the beginning uh, of uh, the pregnancy. So usually in women wanting to get pregnant with an history of recurrent vaginitis, I would tell them to keep the prophylaxis until they know they're pregnant, and then I would stop the prophylaxis. So uh, in terms of concern, yes, at the beginning we had concern because the only other drug we could compare was itraconazole or ketoconazole, and these drugs are known to cause uh, serious uh, liver problem, but I don't have the same level of uh, concern with uh, fluconazole. Is there general advice you give to all the vaginitis patients? Uh, a lot of the advice we were giving them, uh, I think, is folklore, you know, like uh, white underwear, uh, no jeans, uh, no sugar, uh, wipe from the front to the rear. Uh, there's no evidence that this will change uh, for recurrent vaginitis. In fact, a lot of these women with recurrent vaginitis will have some kind of lichen simplex type of reaction. We know that lichen simplex uh, will be amenable to uh, daily clothing uh, or activities. Uh, so a lot of what we were saying would help for recurrent vaginitis do not help at all. Probiotics have never been shown to help prevent uh, BV or uh, yeast vaginitis. But, you know, uh, looking for uh, readable clothes, uh, not wearing uh, panties, uh, going to bed, being careful when uh, women uh, are wiping after urination. So all of these things may be more helping if they have uh, some kind of dermatosis, but certainly not the infection. And finally, do you have any take-home points about vaginitis that you want our listeners to remember? I think that uh, in primary care, if you don't find a reason for the problem, I think it would be good that 
you refer to an experienced colleague instead of saying things like uh, it's all in your head or you're making a big fuss of something that is quite normal in women. Uh, so uh, we have these international meetings and we talk about all these diseases for days and days. And still at the end of the Congress, we say we didn't talk about all these diseases. There are so many things that can affect the genital area of a woman. And if you can't get the diagnosis, uh, it would be very difficult unless you're very lucky to end up on the right treatment or the right prophylaxis. If you don't know the diagnosis, I think it's preferable that you refer to an experienced colleague than uh, just dismiss the complaint uh, of a woman. I think that would be the most simple thing I would do in those cases. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Mark Stibben from Montreal, Canada. Thank you, Amanda. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.